Well, it is so good to be together with uh, those of us in the room and with those of you online. We're so grateful to share this uh, time together with you. And if you're new with us, we're so grateful that you have been a part, you chose to be a part of this, uh, us today and allowing us to join you uh, in your time together with us. So grateful that you're here. And uh, just a reminder to what uh, Joe said earlier, uh, we have a gift for you today for being with us. And we'd love to give that to you at the end of the service. Also, if you're with us online and you're new with us, we have a gift for you. Um, if you'll take a moment today, fill out that connect card. And before you leave, uh, if you're in the room, will you visit the, the welcome table in the back of the room? We'll have a host there who'd love to give you a gift for being with us this morning. Hey, Westside, let's welcome everyone and let them know how grateful we are that they're sharing this time and we get to share this time with them. Will you do that with me right now? Yeah. We're so grateful to be together with you. Now, last week we began this new series called Burn the Ships. And now this phrase is not a biblical phrase, but it is one that creates a great metaphor for following Jesus. The phrase was coined by Hernan Cortez uh, when he ordered his men to burn the ships so they would commit to the mission, look ahead to the fortune that allied ahead of them and not look back. Burning the ships was how Cortez was able to help his men commit to this mission. See, God has been on a mission since the beginning of time to bring humanity back into a relationship with him. And God has called you and I, he's called every one of us, he's called humanity into a relationship with him. And the reason he's done this is he wants you and I, he wants all the people that bear his image to experience the life that he gives. Because God is life, he gives life, and he wants you to experience this life. This is why, this is the reason Jesus came into the world. And this was Jesus' mission when he was in this world. We read this last week in John chapter 10, 10, Jesus said this and John records this. The thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, that they may have life and have it to the full. Not that you can just live this life, not that you can just live and exist. He wants you to have life to the fullest life possible, fully satisfied in him. Jesus came into this world with the mission. This was his mission statement. This was his mandate. This was his purpose. This was the commander's intent that God gave him to come to reverse the curse of sin, to come and reverse the sin, curse of sin in our lives by overcoming sin for us. We call this the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus. See, the gospel of Jesus shows you and I that Jesus first lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live. See, this is good news because you and I cannot be perfect. There is no way that you and I can, can measure up to this level of perfection, much less the level of perfection that it, it would take to have a relationship with God. See, Jesus came into this world to fulfill the requirements of perfection so you and I can have a relationship. We can receive this relationship with God. However, our sin still needs to be accounted for. And as we learned last week, all sin must be punished. And this is why the good news of Jesus is so good. Because this is what makes the good news of Jesus so good. Because sin has to be punished. And the good news is that Jesus died to take upon himself the punishment of sin that I deserve. Jesus died to take on the punishment of all sins, of all of time. For all who trust in Jesus 
as Savior and respond to him as Lord. See, for anyone who trusts in Jesus, something amazing happens. God substitutes Jesus in our place. And so his work on the cross pays the penalty. His work on the cross, he receives the full punishment of all our sins. This is why the, 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 Jesus is so important. Because without the death of Jesus, it's not good news. Without realizing that sin has to be punished, this is not good news. And then Jesus came back to life. He rose back to life to give life to all who trust in him as Savior and Lord. See, because of the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is able to give life to all who receive him by trusting in him as Savior from their sins and responding in those who respond to Jesus by confessing him as Lord and following him. See, this is the good news of Jesus. This is why it's the gospel. This is why you and I need this. And this is why, how we have salvation. It is not in our work. It's on Jesus' work through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we receive salvation. See, salvation is receiving Jesus as Savior and responding to Jesus as Lord. This is salvation. It's not just receiving Jesus as Savior and ignoring Jesus as Lord. It's receiving Jesus as Savior and following Jesus as Lord. This is also discipleship. This is how you and I grow in our relationship with God. This is how you and I follow Jesus is we grow in receiving Jesus as our Savior and allowing Jesus and responding to Jesus as Lord of our lives. And there's something powerful that happens when we commit our lives to Jesus by receiving him as Savior and, and responding to Jesus as Lord, you and I experience the freedom and the fullness of God. That you and I experience the freedom that Christ came to bring in the fullness that you can only have by receiving what Jesus has done for you. This is what our series Big Idea is all about. See, we experience true freedom and fulfillment when we completely trust in Jesus as Savior and wholeheartedly commit to following Jesus as Lord. When you and I burn the ships, if I can use this, if we burn, if we continue to burn the ships and look to Jesus as our Savior and Lord and commit to Him, as we do this and as you do this, as you follow Jesus, you will experience life to the full and freedom to be who God created us to be. You'll experience the life that Jesus said, I have come that you can have life and have it to the full. And you're going to experience a freedom that comes in following Jesus because it is in following Jesus that we experience freedom and that God has given us. That We experience the freedom that God has given us through salvation. This is what John would record of Jesus' words when Jesus was talking to these Jews in chapter eight of the book of John, when Jesus would say to the Jews who believed him, he would say this, if you hold to my teaching. Now, last week we read this verse and I had you circle that word hold and, or underline that word hold. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Just pause right there. See, it's only those who are committed to hold on to the truth and Jesus' teachings to, and follow Jesus 
as Lord of their life, that they, they are Jesus' disciple. Only if you commit to his teaching, only if you hold on to these teachings, then you're his disciples. And it's only then that you'll know the truth. Only then you will know the truth and then the truth can set you free. See, a truth not applied is really a truth denied. Did you get that? I mean, to not apply the truth, to just have it in your head, but not let it live it out, is to deny that that is even true. You can know about Jesus' truths in your head. You can know this intellectually, who Jesus is, but only when you obey that truth can it bring freedom. Also, know this, that when Jesus said this to the Jews that day, for, them to, for Jesus to say to them that they're going to be set free, he was stating something. He was implying something. And it was very explicit, actually. He was implying explicitly that they were slaves. Very offensive. This was so offensive to them that, 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 that Jesus would call them slaves that, that it made them, I believe, mad. We can see that in a second in the response. And, and I love, you know, see, often truth often makes us mad. It first makes us mad before it ever sets us free. Thank you, Ted Lasso. And in this, Jesus says something that makes these, these Jews mad and, and because that's what truth does. It, it, it comes in and it frustrates us. But that's what truth does. And this is what it did to them. It offended them. And Jesus would say to them, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You can just hear how, how this, this, this indignation in them. It's not that the Jews were ignoring their history books. I mean, after all, they were slaves of many nations. We, they all knew this. We all know this. They were arguing that because they, they saw themselves as the seed of Abraham, they were therefore in the privileged family of God because of their direct lineage. They were born into the family of God. They were a part of the family of God because they were direct descendants of Abraham. And while this is what they, Jesus knew what they meant, but Jesus also knew what he meant. And so he clarifies this even greater. And in more, with more clarity. Jesus replies to them very truly. And anytime Jesus says truly, truly, very truly, you read those words, you need to lean into them. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. <laughs> so he'd look at the crowd today, that day and age. So which one of you is without sin today? And no one in that crowd, and if I believe, and if Jesus were here asking us this question, I believe no one in our crowd would have the guts to raise their hand and, and say that we are without sin. He would say, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So Jesus is flat out telling the Jews here, I mean, he's flat out telling the Jews, yes, you are in Abraham's family line, but you are not a yet a part of God's family. You're a part of Abraham's family line, but yet you're not a part of God's family. So he goes on, so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Some of the most powerful words Jesus would ever declare. If the son, if he sets you free, you will be free Indeed. And really, until this becomes a truth 
that we believe, that we live by, you and I will never experience the freedom that this truth can bring. In essence, we'll continue to be slaves to sin. See, the Jews believed they were sons and Jesus calls them slaves. And Jesus claimed that only he had the authority to set us free from the slavery of sin. And by the way, the only one with this authority to set people free from the slavery of sin or to make this claim, only, the only one with this authority to do this is God. And Jesus right here is, is claiming, making a claim that he is God. And he proved his authority to do this through his resurrection. See, Jesus exercises his authority as God to free us from the slavery of sin to make us a part of God's family. This is why Jesus can, came into this earth. This is, he fully burned the ships to fully commit to bringing us into this family of God. And it's because he was fully committed to us that we can be fully committed to him. See, this is why you can burn the ships and fully commit to following Jesus. This is why you can fully do, see Jesus came so you and I can experience life and life to the full by giving us the gift of being a part of his family. And when you're part of his family, you are therefore set free from slavery and sin. You can, I can wholeheartedly commit to following Jesus when we realize that we have been set free from sin. We can burn the ships on sins that enslave us because we've realized what Christ has already done for us. The Apostle Paul wanted to get this message clear. And he wanted, to, he wanted this message clearly to come across to the church that he, was, he, he, he wanted to visit one day in Rome. He knew this church and it wasn't a church that he started and he wanted to, to write to this church in Rome. And Paul uses a metaphor of two atoms when talking to the church in Rome. And he uses this metaphor of two atoms in Romans chapter five and Romans chapter six. Paul contrasts these two atoms and and the way he would do it, he would say on this side is Adam, the first Adam, the Adam that from we see in Genesis one. And and he contrasts that with being in the second Adam, which would be in Christ, in Jesus. The first Adam is the one who's responsible for the condition of the human race. Every one of us are born into the first Adam. And the first Adam is responsible for the first family that has ever been a part of this, that sin corrupted and now disconnected us from the family of God. Now the second Adam, Jesus, ushers in a new family line, which is now the true family of God. So everyone in the world is either one of two races. You're either in the first Adam or in the second Adam. You're one of two races, if I can use that term for this right here. See, you're either in the first Adam Adam, or you have been transformed in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit's work because of the grace of God that you've received by faith. Now in Romans 5.12, Paul tells us something very, very, some, gets into some very good truth. And, we, and I just want you to know these as we set this up. See, first of all, we see that sin came into the world through the first Adam. Okay, so in this first Adam, sin comes in the world. And because Adam sinned, we are all sinners. This is the truth he says. And in this, it, the first Adam messed up everything for us as humans. It, it, human, hu, the, all humanity 
is now affected by this. We are all sinners. And now we are in need of salvation. We are all sinners and we need a savior. And then in verse 15, we see that the gift of grace came through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. The gift of grace comes through Jesus. The second Adam came to make everything right, to reverse the curse of sin and create a new family of God. And then in verses 16 and 17, we learn that because this first Adam sinned, the judgment of death was pronounced on all of humanity. Because of this, we now all have a a, 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 a pronouncement of death upon us, that this is the penalty we all have to pay because all sin must be punished and death becomes the punishment for the, uh, those in Adam. See, in Adam, we are under the governance of three powers Paul writes about. We're under the governance of sin, of death, and the law. When we're in Adam, we're under the governance of these things. See, the law was given. We got to understand the purpose of the law. The law was given to reveal our sin. This was the reason. uh, uh, Oh, it's to realize. Oh, I'm a sinner. This is why we have the law. This is why you have the Old Testament laws is to help you and I realize that we are not ever going to be perfect before God, that we are sinner. We, and see, the law is like to help you know that when you've broken the line, of, uh, in, in all of this, it's like, that's why the speed limit's there. It's once you pass the speed limit, you broke the law. It's because to let you know what the limit is. And in this, uh, we, we are under this and, and, and the law has no power to, to set you free. All the law do, can do is to let you know when you broke the law. That's the power of the law. It can only let you know and inform you of where you broke the law. It can't set you free. If it could set you free, if the law or any law for that matter could set you free, then Jesus would never have needed to come. But it's because it is powerless to set you and I free. Jesus had to come. And if obeying all the rules could set you free, if obeying all the rules would would make you right with God, then God would have given that permission and Jesus wouldn't have had to come. But because the law only reveals our sin, we still need a savior to rescue us from the punishment of our sins. And in verses 18 through 20, we discover that because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, life is given through justification by grace through faith in Jesus alone. See, you can only be right with God by God's grace through Jesus, by faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. He writes about that to the church in Ephesus in chapter two. See, here is, is, is what Paul is saying in this. And, and he goes on to say this and, and, and that, that this is what it is. And then he gets to verse 18. And in verse 18, I just wanna read this to you and, and illustrate to you the two Adams, the first Adam and Christ. He says, consequently, as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, the first Adam, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people, Jesus Christ. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, the first Adam, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. In other words, right with God. 
And this is through the second Adam. Then Paul says that the reason that you and I have this Mosaic law, he goes on to this, and and you can read about this later, or any of law for that matter, is to let us know that when we sin. It's It's let you know that you've gone too far. It's also the reason we need God's grace because we can never measure, and you and I can never measure up to that standard. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Paul, look what he says next in chapter six, verse one. And I want to to allow Paul to preach to you and I about burning our ships. This is what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He might even say to us today, we are in Christ, so we have died to sin. When you're in Christ, you have died to sin. You've burned the ship on your sin. So why do you go about sinning any longer? Why do you continue to live in the way that you used to live? Because you've burned the ship because of what Christ has done for you. But it's not my turn to preach. It's Paul, so let me, let, let's let him talk, okay? Don't you know? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I love the picture Paul's creating here. It's what baptism is all about. See, when people who are in Adam receive Jesus as their savior and respond to Jesus as a Lord. God works this spiritual metamorphosis in our life and he transforms us from the inside out, not from the outside in, from the inside out. And we are now baptized into Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit immerses us into the life of God because we've received Jesus' death as the punishment of our sins. We now receive his resurrection life that has made us alive in Christ Jesus. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are now baptized into Christ Jesus because our trust is in him. And then this is beautiful here. I love this. Look what he says. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, you too, and everyone else, too, who puts their trust in Jesus can live a new life. I want to ask you today, is that life the life you want to have? Is that the life, the new life, the life that you want to receive? I love baptism. See, baptism is a symbol of dying to our old Adam. And being alive in Christ, it's a beautiful picture of God's work in us, of what it does, what Jesus did for us. See, we have new life in him. We are made new through the work of Christ. And now we can live our life in a new way. Because you're made new, you can live your life in a new way. We have burned the ships. We have burned the ships on the old Adam, our old life, and now we have been metamorphosized, if I can just make that a word, transformed into the image of Christ, and we're now set free to live like Christ. This means that the life we live in Christ should not look anything like the old life we had in Adam. But why, Paul? 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know, listen to the certainty of what Paul is sharing with us. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin, the body ruled in Adam by sin might be done away with. We can burn the ship. We can be done away with it. That we should no longer be, look at this, we should no longer be a slave to sin. Because anyone, Anyone who has died to sin, look at this, has been set free from sin. Now I wanna pause here and just read this passage of six and seven again because this is a truth that we need to understand. We know that our old self, our old life in Adam, was crucified with Jesus so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Today, many of us need to burn the ship on sin. Today, many of us need to burn the ship on the sins that are enslaving us, the selfishness in our life that rises up within us because we, can, we, do not, we were not set free to live in Adam. We were set free to live in Christ and live like Christ. He goes on to say that we should no longer be slaves to sin You're no longer a slave to sin when you're in Christ because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We've joined Jesus in his death and therefore we have died to our old life in Adam. And because we're in Christ, we are saved from the punishment of our sins because Jesus took on the full punishment of all our sins. And we have joined Jesus in his resurrection and now we are set free to live the life that Jesus calls us to live. He calls you and I to live and experience his fullness. This is why he has to be Lord because when he's Lord and you obey him, you experience the freedom that he came to set you free from. And this is where you experience his fullness. And this is what Paul says next. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Underline that, circle it. However, you need to highlight this amazing truth because Christ, Christ, you gotta understand about Jesus. Death no longer has mastery over Jesus. This is so important to your and my faith. This is so important to your and my walk with Christ. Death masters Adam. Death, sin, death, and the law are, have mastery over those in Adam. But Jesus mastered death and the law of sin and death have no mastery on him and it has no mastery on those who are in Christ. You have to understand this. When Jesus is your master, sin and death have no power on you. Isn't that amazing? Paul would go on to say the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. 
See, Jesus died to sin, so sin won't have mastery over you. The life Jesus lived, he lived for God, so you and I can fully live for God. The problem is, we sometimes still let sin have mastery over our life. We still let sin be our Lord, and we want to step back into this old Adam over here. See, Jesus is our master and Lord. Sin is no longer our master and Lord. And Paul is imploring his readers to choose which one of these two are you going to allow and you're going to make your master. Which one of you, which one of these two will be your master? Will you choose to live in the old Adam as a slave to sin? Or are you going to allow to yourself, allow the freedom and the fullness of God to radically transform you so you can live in the fullness of Christ. You can be in Christ and experience the freedom and the fullness that Christ has given you through his work on the cross. Now all you need to do is just simply obey and follow him. He goes on. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, we're gonna burn the ship on sin. And because we burn the ship on sin, our old Adam, we're going to be, we're gonna announce that we are alive in Jesus. We're gonna declare that we are in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. See, when you obey the cravings of your flesh, when you obey your selfishness and you use it to justify whatever you want to do and it harms others, you are in Adam. And, and you're obeying its evil desires. You're, rec you're, you're identifying with your old Adam. And when we obey those evil desires, our selfish desires, we're living in that old Adam. And when you know that Christ has set you free to obey God, he has set you free to have self-control that is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is alive inside of us, then, then we can have self-control over our evil desires because sin no longer has mastery over us. Jesus is our Lord and we are living in Christ. Paul goes on to say, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. See, that's the old Adam. But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. When we sin against others, when you wrong others, when you hurt others, when you do things that, that, cause, that, that cause pain to others, when you allow destructive habits to be in your life and it imposes itself and, and it hurts others, when you allow the attitudes to wreck your mind and it wrecks your thoughts and, and those attitudes bleed out, when you harbor unforgiveness, when you harbor all these things, when you, you are in your old Adam, you're living in that old Adam. And when you and I burn the ship on sin, when we burn the ship on this sin and we become then an instrument, an instrument, one that God plays the musical ways of righteousness through us, one who works righteousness in us so we can be on work and join him in the work of bringing righteousness to the world. See, when we do what is right by offering our body as a living sacrifice to do what is right, wise and what honors him in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do, then we are in Christ and therefore an instrument of righteousness. 
Then in verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. Some of you need to make this your declaration. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, the old Adam. Sin is no longer your master because you are in Christ. You are under grace. See, when sin has mastered you, it's the old Adam. But we are no longer in Adam, in sin. We are in Christ because we've received salvation and now we respond to him as Lord. We respond to Jesus as Lord. And when you are under grace, sin is no longer your master because you are in Christ Jesus who is your Lord. Jesus is your master. No longer is it sin, death, or the law that is your master. Jesus alone is Lord. And this is the teaching big idea that I want you to leave with. I want you to make this your declaration. See, when Jesus is my Lord, sin is not my master. When Jesus is my Lord, sin is no longer my master. When I am in Adam, yes, sin is my master. But when Jesus is my Lord, sin is no longer my master. You want to experience the freedom? You want to experience the fullness of being in Christ? Then trust in Jesus as your Savior and follow Jesus as Lord. Because when you do that, when your faith is in Jesus, it is now by grace that you've been saved. And when your obedience is to Jesus as Lord, he can then set you free from being a slave to the sin. From sin having mastery over you, he wants you to experience that freedom. So I want to ask you to ask yourself a question today. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, who really can you be honest with? Are you living in this old Adam? You might have an intellectual assent to know who Jesus is as a savior, but you're still living in the old Adam because sin has mastery over you. Or are you living in Christ? Why don't just ask you that? You need to be honest with yourself. Are you living in the Adam that, of, of the old Adam? Or are you living... In Christ. See, in Adam, sin has mastery over you. There, 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 there are sins that will master you. But in Christ, sin is no longer your master. So you don't obey it. In, in Adam, we are a slave to our selfish desires. But in Christ, we have been set free. We are no longer a slave to our selfish desires because we've been given self-control. In Adam, we are alive to sin. However, we're dead to Christ. But in Christ, we are alive to Christ and we have died to sin. And now we have the power of the Holy Spirit who has set us free as Romans chapter eight, verse two says, it has set us free from the law of sin and death. So I'm gonna ask you a question today. Do you need to burn the ship on sin? Do you need to burn the ship? Is there a sin that has mastered you? Is there, is there a destructive habit that you continually go back to and you know you're not experiencing the fullness of Christ and you know you're not experiencing the freedom? Is there, is there something that you continually do that doesn't just hurt you but hurts other people? Is there, is there an, uh, an attitude, an attitude that, that is contrary to the attitude of Christ, an attitude that is prideful, an attitude that self, self, uh, exalts yourself, an attitude that causes others, it's not to serve others, but it's one that's contrary to the nature of God. Because sin has been your master. 
Let me ask you this. Is there unforgiveness that has mastered you? Is there, is there something that you need, that you've been harboring the ship of unforgiveness? And you've been, let this be in the harbor of your soul and you need to burn the ship and forgive because you are in Christ and you've died. Sin is no longer your master, so you've been set free to this. What ship do you need to burn today? See, what part of your old Adam do you need to burn and declare that Jesus is your Lord and therefore sin will no longer be your master? In your seat, this was, you were given this piece of paper. This is what I want you to do. I want you to write down on that piece of paper whatever it is that you need to burn today. Whatever the sin that has had mastery over you. Maybe it's an attitude, maybe it is unforgiveness. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a habit Maybe it's a sin that nobody else even knows about. Maybe it's something that you know is just between you and God, but you need to burn the ship. I want you to write it down. And over the next couple of minutes, I want you to write this down. See, maybe this is, this is an opportunity for you to, to visibly make this statement that you are going to experience the freedom and fullness that Jesus brings because he is your Lord and sin is no longer your master. And maybe this is also an opportunity for some of you to realize that you need to take a next step of obedience and walk in baptism. See, baptism is a step of obedience. It's our first step of following Jesus. It's our first step to declare that Jesus is Lord and sin no longer is our master. See, baptism is a symbol. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful symbol that we've received Jesus as our savior and our response is to follow him as Lord. Baptism alone is not an act that saves you. It's a symbolic act of obedience that reflects our trust, that our trust is in Jesus. And it reflects our response to Jesus being Lord of our life. It's a symbol that we are dead to sin. It's no longer a master and we are alive in Christ. And it's our testimony. See, baptism is a testimony that we have joined Jesus in his death. Therefore, we are dead to sin, the old life. And we now share in the resurrection and are set free from sin. So if this is your next step today, baptism is your next step. We talked about this as an opportunity earlier. You can open your uh, Westside Leavenworth app, sign up. We have baptism next week. If you need to take this and you've never been baptized, you need to do this. Or maybe you need to receive Jesus as your savior because you've never received Jesus as your savior. And you need to burn the ship on that old life. You need to respond to Jesus as your Lord. Maybe you've lived your life saying, God, I trust in Jesus as my Savior, but I want to be the Lord of my life. If you never let Jesus be the Lord of your life, maybe today is the day that you need to make that declaration that Jesus, you're not just my Savior. Today, you will be my Lord. And I want to encourage you to do that. Saying a prayer doesn't save you. Putting our trust in Jesus is what saves us. And this is the beautiful thing for all of us in Christ. Because we're alive in Jesus, we can now say, we will not let sin be our master. So do you need to burn the ship on sin today? As we sing this song, write down what you need to write down. Burn the ship. Step into a new life. Jesus is Lord, sin is no longer our master.
prayer partners will be available to pray with anyone for any reason. And this is what I want you to do. You wrote on that piece of paper. And when you walked in, for those of you us in the room, you walked by likely a fire pit. Burn the ship. Will you take this? And as a symbol of burning the ship on what has mastered you, will you put that in that fire pit and walk away with Jesus as Amen. Can I pray for you real quick? Father, thank you so much for bringing, sending Jesus into this world to live the perfect life that none of us can live. Thank you that he took upon himself the punishment for all of our sins for all of time. And thank you that through his resurrection, we can, we have life. And we have this life because we've received him as Savior and we're responding to him as Lord. And sin no longer has mastery over us. So may we live in the life that you've given us made new and set free and we'll experience the fullness and freedom that you've brought to us in jesus name we declare amen god bless you live in the freedom of the new day god bless you step into